It's This Week in Bourbon, giving you the latest news on everything that's happening in the world of bourbon. And here's your headlines for October 8th of 2021. MGP gets a somewhat rebrand to Ross and Squibb Distillery. Stoli hires David Mandel to lead the Kentucky Owl construction of their distillery. And Buffalo Trace releases the details for the 2021 Antique Collection, but there's a big hitter missing this year. And before we get started, here's a quick word from our partners. And they're off for another Gift 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. All right, welcome everybody to This Week in Bourbon. Kenny and Ryan here doing a new segment where we're excited to kind of just really get all in on bourbon news. Yeah, it's uh, usually we record in like six-month increments, so we're not really uh, up to date on things sometimes. So it's nice to give our perspective on the, the latest and greatest in the bourbon news. Yeah, and I think you're going to be, a, I, for the first edition first episode of this i think you'd be amazed about how much news comes out i started taking notes after last week we usually record on tuesdays is when i do the intro so everything that happened from wednesday until today which is we're recording on tuesday of this week this is all the news that happened within one week span so i think you'll be amazed about the the amount of news that does come out and we'll be able to dive in yeah, a lot now, of this. 
I'll have to keep track of it now because you've been doing <laughs> this every week. So I'll, uh, I'll have to step my game up, get on Twitter back again and get refreshed on all this stuff. Oh man. It's, I swear the amount of press releases that come in tweets and everything like that. I just, I just take notes of it, jot them down and we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll start running through them. You ready to get going? Yeah. So far, some exciting headlines. Yeah. Well, let's start off with the first one, and that's Alexco will rename the 174-year-old Lawrenceburg, Indiana distiller of its branded Spirits and Ross Squibb Distillery as it now joins the Luxco family of brands. So effective immediately, the distiller of George Remus Straight Bourbon Whiskey and Rossville Union Straight Rye Whiskey will go by its new name. And here's a little bit of the history, too. So here's how it's got its name of Ross. And of course, this is inspired by the legacy of George Ross, who in 1847 founded the Rossville Distillery, which is located on what is now the Rossville and Squibb Distillery Campus, a la AKA MGP. And it's considered one of Lawrenceburg's original distilleries and one of America's last prohibition era distilleries. And Rossville Distillery produced some of the finest rye whiskeys in the world and was the inspiration for the Rossville Union Straight Rye Whiskey brand. Squibb, on the other hand, calls back to the historic Squibb Distillery, which was founded in 1869 in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, and later purchased in 1921 by George Remus, who was called the King of the Bootleggers and and inspired the George Remus Straight Bourbon Whiskey brand. However, MGP will continue to produce bourbon, rye, whiskey, gin, and grain-neutral spirits from this facility under its current name of MGPI in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. So, uh... Does that lead to some confusion or is that just me? Yeah, I'm not sure on this. This seems totally unnecessary, especially when you can't go visit the place. <laughs> but uh, or I guess you can, but they really don't. It's not really set up for. Yeah, it's kind of confusing. So just leave it MGP. Keep it simple. I, I think so, too. I, there was there's a great Twitter account out there and it's brand new. I'd say go out and follow it. It's called Barrel Proof Marketing. And they talked about this and talking about brand identity and when you do this, all you're doing is confusing your brand and creating, you know, a, 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 this basically this envelope on top of it. And now people are like, wait, what? So it's still MGP. But if you want to refer to it of like, where do I get George Remus or where do I get this? Oh, that comes from the Remus and Squibb distillery. Like it's it's like, oh, or Ross and Squibb distillery. It's like, oh, it seems like so, so tough to like, put all this together i mean i can see it yeah. from, a brand, from like a brand perspective you want to kind of create this delineation but man alive is this going to create some confusion in the market yeah somebody overthought this it's like okay we have all these brands now with luxro and i, I get it you want to kind of make the distillery more than just a factory warehouse but mgp has a pretty solid name in the you know in the whiskey community and i think they should have hung their hat on that i mean i think it's pretty well known what what they do and what it is so i think this was overthought and just trying to i don't know attach a story that happened that doesn't really matter no one cares they like your mgp whiskey keep it mgp distillery it's a reach it's a reach (laughs) all right let's keep going so the american distilling institute is releasing two new books that are targeted directly towards distillers The first is A Distiller's Guide to Whiskey by Ian Smiley, and it's a definitive source on on how-to information that details details the precise nuances and timeless secrets of exactly how to make world-class whiskey. And in this book, those secrets are revealed from selecting the grain to formulating the fermentation organisms, which is more than just yeast. 
into barrel aging and to yeast and bacteria stock maintenance. And this text gives detailed step-by-step -step recipes that incorporate these methods and requires reading for any distiller. The second is called Batch Distillation Science and Practice by Matt Strickland. And it's a must-have for distillers of all experience levels. So inside, you'll learn about the history of distillation, distillation chemistry, considerations for purchasing a still, and much more. And Strickland uses an easy-to-understand controversial tone to detail topics such as making distillation cuts, different distillation techniques, how to operate simple and hybrid batch stills, and even how to approach the distillation of botanicals for spirits, such as gin or absinthe. So I guess put that one on your bookshelf and get to it when you when you tell me you get through reading those ones, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I'll put it in my Audible queue or uh, my Amazon wish list. That's kind of awesome because uh, a lot of times when they, you know you talk to distillers and they start rambling on all the science and all the engineering, you're just like it's like overwhelming sometimes. So it Deer would be kind of cool. Yeah, it would be cool. I'm a visual person and I learn from reading and visualizing things. So I think this would be cool. I'd, I'd, I'd be interested in buying this. So you can go to Moonshine University. You could go and get a chemistry degree from an Ivy League school, or you could just buy two bucks and call it a day. Hey, it's the modern day education. You know, <laughs> it's YouTube and, you know, uh, you can learn pretty much anything with Amazon and YouTube. You know, it's like in Matt Damon and uh, was it Goodwill Hunting? He's like, uh, I can get the same Harvard education, you know, from the library or whatever. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, that wasn't the exact same line, but you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's pretty <laughs> close to that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it's, I think anything we do nowadays, if you have to go and uh, change a pipe on something, you have to fix something in your car. Like, what do you do? You go and you Google it, you find it on a forum, but 99% of the time, somebody's done some sort of how to on YouTube and golly, does that make things easier? Oh, it's gotten me out so many pickles in my life. Thank you, YouTube. <laughs> and now we can go ahead and start putting that towards distillation, maybe. Yes. But, you know, as, as we speak, like, there's actually a really cool video. Uh, I want to say for anybody out there has not seen it yet. If you have like 20 minutes free, go and Google it. It's Leopold Brothers Three Chambers Still. And it's a fantastic uh, YouTube video that kind of talks about how they made it and uh, really what they did. And really trying to like embrace a lot of history and stuff like that. It's a little bit of a side to what we're talking about now. I'm just saying for anybody that's out there on your board, go Google Leopold three chambers still on YouTube and just get lost. It's, it's a good way to uh, kind of soak in some more information there. Very cool. What's next? Yep. All right. So vine pair talked about the history of our favorite bourbon. Well, maybe not, but, it's the bourbon that everybody likes to talk about, and that's Blanton's, and talks about the history of Blanton's toppers. So here's a tidbit that I found interesting, and maybe you will too. So we all kind of know that the Blanton's horses are essentially collectible items. And since the company's inception in 1984, that horse and mounted jockey has appeared on every single stopper. But in 1993, these designs were updated to include more detail, but it wasn't until 1999 that the official campaign began. And Blanton's created eight distinct horse and jockey stoppers that now appear on all bottles at random. And each stopper has this letter that's circled on the lower left-hand side that spells out, uh, I kind of want to see like B-A-N-A-N-A-S, but it's <laughs> Blanton's, right? B-L-A-N-T-O-N-S. And here's a kind of a, a good little tidbit that came from Amy Presky. Uh, this was actually comes back from 2012 when she told 
thebourbonbabe.com, who's Carla Carlton, and said that there's actually an equal number of all eight stoppers. And that's because I think people get caught up. They're like, oh, it's so hard to find the inn. Like, I can't find the second inn. <laughs> no way. <laughs> it's true. People do it all the time. They're like, oh, they just don't make a lot of the O's. You got um, any N's over there? <laughs> I'll, trade you, I'll trade you an N for an A. I got um, four L's over here. Like, it's like <laughs> Wheel of Fortune. Can I buy some vowels? <laughs> I'm swimming in L's over here. Um, but she had said that they're actually in random order when they're put on. And a lot of people think that they're only doing O's on certain days or whatever, but that's just not true. They buy the same exact amount of letters and just kind of whatever gets put on gets put on. Uh, but there is uh, a little bit of a distinction here. Um, since there are two ends in the name, the second can be found that actually has a colon next to it. And another way to ensure that a collection is complete is by identifying the stance of the horse and jockey on the stopper. And they created these toppers with derby days and local heritage in mind. And of course, this is all resembling the stages of a horse race, including the trot, the canter, and the gallop. And the final stopper of S shows the jockey with his fist in the air celebrating winning the race. Wow. I would have never noticed any of that. I just envision, you know, all these boxes of toppers and like, it's funny, people say the ends are hard to get. I can just see like, the O's were like way up top and hard to get. So they're like, ah, we'll just stick with ends for a couple months. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We're like that, that bag or that box is off in inventory somewhere. I'm not going to go yeah. find it. Like we'll, yeah. we'll worry about it. The next day. closest box. <laughs> you know, it, cause it's weird. Like I remember when I started getting into bourbon and realizing about Blanton's, like I thought it was one stride of the horse was what the, the letters spelled out because it basically looks like, it looks like one stride of the horse, but I guess it is supposed to dictate, you know, different parts of the race. So I actually learned something new when I went through there as well. Yeah. Never would have known. So I'm glad uh, they shared that with us. I still probably will never collect all of them, but uh, for the people that do, it's fun. Now you have even more to look at. And I guess that is a good note is that people, they go out and they try to like, I've got to hunt them all. I've got to find them. I've got to trade bottles to get them. Uh, if you are, if you really need them, you can just go to the distillery and buy all 10 toppers. It's like 20 bucks. Like along with a shot ski. Yeah. They probably have a whole set that you can they, buy. Just. They do. They have the whole thing there with the barrel stave and everything. Like you, you don't have to try, like you can just go buy them at hunt over. Yep. There you go. All right. So moving on. So for the first time in the modern era of American whiskey, Kentucky has now 10 million barrels of bourbon aging in distilleries across the Commonwealth. And this was announced by the KDA a little bit earlier this week. So Kentucky's legendary distillery industry is setting a new production record for all the number of bourbon barrels filled in a single year, which is around 2.5 million for the total number of aging of all barrels, including other spirits such as brandy at near 11 million now. And these are numbers for the calendar year of 2020. Now, here's kind of where it gets a little... Actually, I'll give you some... The first, the the details. So first, on the total number of barrels of bourbon, there's 10,321,793. Total inventory, including bourbon and other spirits, 10,880,000 and a few other some. And the number of bourbon barrels filled in 2020 was around 2,437,000 plus some change. Now, this is kind of where it... Uh, takes a little bit of turn for, I don't want to say the worst, but it really shows you an idea of like where some reform needs to happen. So we 
you kind of get the idea of how much stuff is out there and how much is aging, but distillers will pay a record of $33 million in aging barrel taxes in 2021. And Kentucky remains the only place in the world that taxes aging barrels of spirits as a part of the production process. And this is a discriminatory tax that hampers growth and jeopardizes the state's ability to attract new distillers. And barrel taxes have catapulted 140% in the last 10 years alone. So that gives you just an idea of what that looks like. But on the, the greater economic side as well is that bourbon is one of the Commonwealth's most historic and treasured industries, an $8.6 billion economic engine that generates more than 20,100 jobs with an annual payroll topping around $1 billion. And distillers are also in the middle of a $5.1 billion capital investment campaign to satisfy the global thirst for Kentucky bourbon. So, wow. Yeah. And then on top of that tax, you get that. I mean, they say there's 10 million barrels aging, but how many are they dumping a year? You know, you said they're adding about one point or 2.5 a year. Or yeah. Was that 2.5 is what they're filling. Yeah. I wonder what they're dumping. Cause that's all the excess size tax too on that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so tax, tax, tax. I know it makes it like people were all like, Oh, Tennessee bourbon, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I mean, makes sense <laughs> for, for anybody that wants to get into it, like do it outside of Kentucky just for that reason alone. I mean, that's why uh, there's that Ross and squib distiller, you know, <laughs> yeah. up in Indiana, save on those taxes <laughs> or those, those squibs, man, they figured it out a long time ago, didn't they? Heck yeah. They were skimming hand for Biden. <laughs> Smart moves way back. That's in the day. right. That's right. Yeah. That's some incredible numbers. I mean, it's uh, I mean, gosh, I think just two or three years ago, they said they just reached how, the amount of barrels that the population was, which was three point, around 3.8 million at the time. So to get to 10 this fast, I mean, that's incredible. But, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, hell, Heaven Hills built 10, 50,000 barrel warehouses and Buffalo Trace has followed suit. Jim Beam has and Heaven Hills building more. It's, uh, yeah, keep laying it down. Uh, and the rocket ship is not slowing down either. People are still going to keep pumping out more. Hockey stick. Mm-hmm. And sticking a pumping mount even more, let's get to our second headline, and that is Stoli Group announcing that they are hiring David Mandel as the president of Kentucky Owl Real Estate Company. And Mandel will be responsible for leading the construction and the development of the Kentucky Owl Distillery and Park, located in over 400 acres in Bardstown, Kentucky. So, of course, David comes to us after co-founding Bardstown Bourbon Company. He's been on the podcast a few times before. Uh, he, you know, was part of the whole, you know, Napa Valley experience and, and Bardstown and stuff like that. Um, now, he was also responsible for the launch of those bourbon brands, uh, the full service restaurant bar and stuff like that. Um, but he's also going to make sure that they lead development for Kentucky Owl, which will be producing their own custom rye, whiskey and bourbon uh, for, of course, the Kentucky Owl brands. So this was one that we have talked about before because we said, why would Kentucky Owl ever build anything when Bardstown Bourbon Company is doing it for them already at probably a lower cost than, you know, you could do on, you know, if you really wanted to invest the money. But looks like those uh, those pyramids, they might be a coming after all. Yeah, it's been uh, interesting because, you know, they bought that quarry and land there uh, as you're driving on 245 into uh you know towards bar sun bourbon company or heaven hill and they drained the quarries and we thought construction was going to happen and then the quarries are now filled back up <laughs> and so 
I'm I'm excited that David's spearheading this project because I know he's a guy that likes to get things done, and uh, he's a very smart guy, very you know good with the community, good with investors, good just good all around businessman, and so. I'm excited to see some traction on this because I think it's a a big win for Bargetown, you know, to have a high end another high end distillery experience, and that's probably yeah. what they're trying to capture. I mean, it's cool to have a brand, but you know, to have a a destination and a you know a place where your fans can come visit makes it all even more special. So I can I can see why they would want to because even though Barstown Bourbon probably does awful offer uh you know the production at a pretty reasonable cost. Uh, it's nice to have your own home. Yeah. And of course we know that if you can own all the equipment you can do it and you can, you can make all that money up over years and years and years, but they'll get there eventually. And I also had hinted earlier, I said the word pyramids. If anybody's confused and they were like, what are you talking about? If you can Google it and you can find it and you can just Google like Kentucky Owl Park, there were 3d renderings that were done got it had been what three years ago now maybe four yeah it's gotta be on youtube still it's got it's a long it's a long long time ago but the idea was that they were going to have this kentucky out park and the barrel warehouses were actually pyramids and there was like a roller like pyramid glass made of glass i think (laughs) yeah i mean but there was all kinds of things i don't remember i don't i don't think there was a train that train that pulled in yeah it's like a high-speed train that probably doesn't go anywhere, but it just makes a loop around the... It's like the monorail at Disney. Yeah. But, uh, but hey, it's if it's a quicker way to get around, I'm all for it. I'm lazy. Yeah, but no, it's a cool property. I mean, I, I'm i excited to see what happens because the renderings... Now, I don't think there'll be the, the Egyptian pyramids there, but uh, it's a really cool property and a good canvas to work with. So I'm excited to see something finally happen there. Yeah, for sure. All right. So there's another article that came out from JustDrinks.com on talking about which trends are set to shape the future in the coming months of spirits and wine. So here's here's five of them. And and Ryan, I'll I'll let you just take one at the very end and think like, which do you think is going to be the one that's going to really take off? Uh, so already established in beer is the low and no alcohol has started to take hold in spirits and wine. And although hard hard seltzer has been the main beneficiary, the sector is expected to see its growth rate slow. Uh, As in like the no alcohol thing that's going to actually slow down. Uh, There's also an opportunity in the center of for experimental of health and wellness consumer trends for pairing THC and CBD in their drinks. Increasingly, consumers are demanding more sustainable and healthier alternatives to traditional products. So in wine, you'd be able to, you know, be able to talk about your biodynamic credentials, for example, of never being a bad thing. So uh, Global Data's Q3 2021 survey found that 40% of global consumers said that they find natural and organic to be very appealing. Uh, And following on the immense success of hard seltzer, beverage companies are now looking to further do cross-category opportunities, such as alcoholic RTDs in the tea category. So you have a tea base with a low ABV, which could uh, appeal to some more younger consumers. And the pandemic and subsequent lockdowns provided what we can call a new lease on life while going on the nosedive of portion control. And so 33% of consumers admitted that they're trying to reduce their calorie intake. Yeah. 
I, I do think the health and wellness um, aspect of spirits, like we saw it with seltzers and even whiskey. I think I think I think whiskey's really missed an opportunity, and I think they'll continue. I think they can really hang their hat on like a not that it's healthy to drink whiskey, but that it's low calorie. There's no carbs, you know, versus beer or mixed drinks. If you're drinking it neat, it's something that offers flavor, and you know, you don't have to like sacrifice a lot of caloric intake or sugar and whatnot um so i do see the health and wellness side of it continue to be because our generation younger you know with covid and everything and the internet we're all more educated on what it means to be healthy and we have so much information to understand that we don't want processed foods we don't want you know all this junk we just want to have things as clean and pure as and uh but we still want to have our fun so we want to be able to like justify <laughs> our, our booze. <laughs> yeah. We want to be able to justify our booze, you know? So if I can drink a high noon that says it's a uh, hundred calories and no carbs and whatever, no sugar, it makes me feel better about my hangover versus having uh 12 Miller lights and you know, all those <laughs> carbs and beer bellies and whatnot. So I don't know. I, that, that's what I, I, I don't think the THC and CBD thing, I, I, I it may be, but I, I just don't see that being a big thing i think people like to do those independent of each other but anything health and wellness i think that's going to be a big push moving forward i agree um when you put 100 calories on the label i think people you gravitate towards it and you're like oh sure i this actually feels pretty good i drink this i know it's 100 calories and you know you have jim beam coming out with their highballs you have uh sagamore that came out with their own type of uh, rye-based RTDs and stuff like that too. So you're going to see a lot more of these kind of like cocktail-based RTDs and have the calories on them. I think it's a, it's a, going to be a good move for a lot of people. Heck yeah. So uh, some more things on, I guess you can say, uh, like the, the better, the good side of, of, you know, alcohol and industry and stuff like that is that we see that more alcohol companies are putting the emphasis on sustainability and Diageo has opened what it's calling the first carbon neutral whiskey distillery in North America. So this is operating in Lebanon, Kentucky. It's a 72,000 square foot facility that has the capacity to produce up to 10 million proof gallons per year. And this has begun distilling bullet bourbon and it uses electrode boilers powered by 100% renewable electricity throughout the cooking, distillation and dry house processes. Bullet is the first and lead brand produced at the Diageo Lebanon Distillery, and this supplements the existing production at the nearby Bullet Distilling Company in Shelbyville, Kentucky. Diageo's Lebanon Distillery was also built so that fossil fuels are not used during production, but sources a mix of wind and solar energy to power those electrode boilers, on-site electric vehicles, internal and external lighting, and equipment. These technologies will allow Diageo to avoid approximately more than 117,000 metric tons of carbon emissions annually. And it says that's the equivalent of taking more than 25,000 cars off the road every single year. In addition to the sustainability features of the new facility, Diageo implemented an optimized staffing model consisting of bourbon production experts, they call BPEs, that are responsible for all aspects of the distillery, dry house, and operations by rotating through each operational area to ensure depth of knowledge and flexibility. And Diageo aims to accelerate the development of future leaders. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. No, I think I think it's all a win. Uh, anything, you know, I, I work outside for a living and it's climate change is real for me and I've experienced it. And I think anything we can do to try to use technology and, 
you know, be efficient and try to help the planet is, I think it's all a, a win-win and, uh, two, I'm sure it's very expensive, uh, to, to, to do this. So I'd be, I'd be interested to see like, you know, what this plant compared to like, a you know, a heaven hill or a buffalo tree or whatever, what, what the, you know, the differences are, but, uh, I'm sure it's, uh, I, I think it's a win-win. Yeah. I'd be interested to kind of know the break even as well, because if you invest all this money, it's going to take years for you to kind of see it back to, to kind of see that. But I also think it's really cool because I know we, I've driven to Bardstown plenty of times and every single time you, you get off the Bardstown exit and you keep going, you see the smokestacks. Maybe they're not smokestacks, steam stacks that are coming out of like Jim Beam and stuff like that. And you're thinking like, gosh, like, is, is that bad for the environment? But I don't really think it is. I don't think it's like insanely no. bad. Uh, I think this green. day when you see steam, uh, that's a good sign because the carbon's being trapped inside. But mm-hmm. anywho. But yeah, I mean, I think this is, again, I think it kind of just goes in the right direction of what we can see some more uh, sustainability projects happen. And I know everybody's kind of doing sustainability stuff like Angels Envy does, you know, like planting trees. Um, I, I know I'm going to forget a few other ones. I know Heaven Hill does some as well. So uh, everybody's kind of on board. They're they're trying to trying to help save the planet here. Yeah. And I'm... To be to be honest, I'm not educated enough on this to like know what's me neither. <laughs> what's you know sustainable? What's not? You know, I, mean, it, I know they're all sexy buzzwords and make good PR, but uh, anything we can do to help the planet and make good whiskey, this guy's all for. So for sure, for sure. All right, and so our last sort of news topic for the night is that as supply chain disruptions and labor shortages continue to impact the hospitality industry especially in Philadelphia, state legislators are pressing the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board to uh, about their recent decision to actually start rationing the sales of select booze. So the state's liquor regulation agency drew national attention earlier this month when it instituted a two-bottle purchase limit per day on 43 different items, including various champagnes, bourbons, tequilas, and cognac. Those affected brands include companies like Buffalo Trace, Hennessy, Don Julio, Dom Perignon, Patron, Moet, and Chandon. And the Phil- or sorry, Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board officials said that Jim Beam Whiskey has elected to use plastic bottles in response to a glass shortage to avoid product availability disruptions. But Jack Daniels chose not to, and its old number seven black label Tennessee Whiskey 80 proof is now on the rationed list. So wow. anybody that doesn't know, there is a massive global supply shortage of glass right now and we're living and breathing that right now too yeah and you got some states uh when we when i was at uh the distilled spirits council california is trying to push for all glass uh liquor containers getting rid of all plastic uh containers for any alcohol spirit um so that's just going to even make it worse if it goes through but uh it's still got a lot of things to to get there but uh yeah the glass shortages, the, the, the whole supply chain of everything is just effed right now. It's, it sucks. <laughs> That's very true. I just <laughs> thought it was interesting that the liquor control board is enforcing a, like a two bottle buying limit on a consumer to say like, sorry, we can't purchase this because there's a glass shortage. Like, I think that's, it's interesting. It's an interesting take. Yeah. That's, I don't want to get into it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Well, let's go ahead. We'll take a break here. We're from our sponsors and we'll come back with some bourbon release news. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, 
the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus Magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. And welcome back. Let's start talking about what's happening in the world of bourbon releases. I know this is something that I'm always interested to hear about because we want to know what's going to be hitting the shelves soon and what do we have to stand in line for? So I'll give you the first one. And this is a little bit more of a, like a craft side of things here. And so this is coming out of Butte, Montana. And this is for craft distillers and friends that collaborate on what's a malt whiskey blend. And they call themselves Good Deeds Spirits. And they are announcing their first ever Good Deeds Malt Whiskey. And this is a blend from nine leading craft whiskey producers with 100% of the proceeds to benefit the Step Up Foundation, which is a diversity and inclusion initiative founded by the ACSA or the American Craft Spirits Association. This was first established as an unofficial group of distillers back in 2017 on Facebook when they called themselves Good Guys Distillers, but the group formally set up a DBA as Good Deeds Spirits in 2021 with the intention of creating interesting and collaborative spirit releases moving forward with the goal of also raising money to benefit important industry causes. So this first release, it was created back in February 2021 and is a blend of nine donated whiskeys from Balcones, Bentledge Heritage Distillery, Few Spirits, Headframe Spirits, Rogue Spirits, Santa Fe Spirits, Sonoma Distilling, Stateline Distilling, Thornton Distilling, Blenders Johnny Jeffrey, Randy Hudson, Reed Huddleston, and John McKee. They blended these, or which is from, oh, sorry, I started naming off names there. Uh, so... I think, yeah, yeah. So I started naming off names, Stateline Distillery and Thornton Distillery. But the blenders of John Jeffrey, Randy Hudson, Reed Huddleston, and John McKee blended these over the course of two days in Butte, Montana. And so all of these whiskeys were blended on site and then returned to used bourbon barrels to marry for five months before proofing down to 46% for the bottling and release. This will carry a retail price of $75 with 100% of the bottle price benefiting the Step Up Foundation. It will be exclusively available on Sealbox, and the public sale will begin on October 15th, 2021, with 1,000 bottles available. Now, I think it's interesting only because you still see a lot of times a bunch of distillers getting together and say, let's go blend our own stuff together. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, 
especially doing a like American or doing a malt whiskey too, you know, because um, it's kind of new to like the American whiskey category. It seems not new, but you know, people are just starting to kind of dabble into that um, sphere. But, it's not uh, bourbon, right? It's not bur- or, bourbon. Yeah. Bourbon's the hot word. That's well, what he wants to do. So it's it's something. Well, it's different. not bourbon or rye whiskey or you know something that people are traditionally used to. But I think it's interesting. I mean, hell. Blending three distilleries is hard for me. I can imagine blending all those and uh, <laughs> Taking nine. kudos yeah. to them. So I'd love to try it just to see how it turned out. Well, guess what? You're in luck. I got a sample here. Oh, perfect. Yeah. They, quickie, sent, they, coming up. they sent me a sample so we can do that on a whiskey quickie coming up. So everybody stay tuned for that one. All awesome. right. So uh, talking about another one out of Sonoma County. So Daylight Wine and Spirits. Uh, they are an independent growing winery out of Sonoma, but they're going all in on ammunition straight bourbon whiskey. So its founder and winemaker Andy Wall takes a winemaker's approach to whiskeys. And it says quite literally, ammunition straight bourbon whiskey is produced in small two, three and four year old batches and finished in French Bordeaux wine barrels, which is once held ammunition's very own Sonoma Cabernet Sauvignon. This has a special mash bill of 60% corn, 25% wheat, 10% rye, and 5% malted barley. So there we go. Another one to look out for. Yeah. Another wine finish. I like them. Yeah. Westward Whiskey is introducing their barrel strength version of its original American single malt called Westward Cask Strength as the brand's fourth permanent expression. This cask strength comes in at 125 proof and is available for purchase for $99.00 along with their entire portfolio of single malts on westwardwhiskey.com, and they can ship to almost nearly 30 states across the country. Dang. Wish we could do that here in Kentucky. That'd be nice. <laughs> well, I, I asked them about this because they, they came up, they just had their own like Westward Whiskey, like whiskey club that they came out with. And I said, how are you all doing this? Because, you know, they're not based in... Uh, I think uh, they're based somewhere in the Northeast, maybe Pacific Northwest. Sorry, yeah, Pacific Northwest. Yeah, and I was like, how are y'all? Yeah, I was like, how are y'all doing this? Uh, so basically, everything runs through some retailer or some outfit in California, and that's how everything gets shipped out. So they basically wholesale everything there, but the club runs through there. So that's how the uh, they they get around all the the legalities there. So interesting way gotcha. to do it. Well, another single malt. See, it's the new wave. I tell you what, it, I think that's the only single malt we're talking about today. <laughs> we'll, find uh, out. well, I guess yeah, the last one wasn't a single malt because it was it's, a blend of malts. <laughs> it's a malt. It's a malt. Yeah, whiskey. malt. Redemption Straight Bourbon Whiskey has a new release, and it's made from the brand's high rye bourbon recipe with 21% rye and finished for a year and a half in a variety of ex cognac casks from Maison Ferrand, made in French made of French oak with some of the casks dating back as far as 1988. And it was also aged for five and a half years and bottled at 98 or sorry, 99 proof. Let's see. You're 85, right? 85. Yep. 85. I'm 83. So at least we're a little bit old in these barrels. We got, we got some age on them. Yeah. What can you name that fancy French barrel oak again? <laughs> Maison Ferrand. Ferrand. Maison Ferrand. Yeah. 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 That's, that's me just, you know, hacking it up as a Kentucky boy over here. Yeah. I like some redemption products. So, yeah, be interested yeah, to try got, this they one. Got a, they got a fun looking bottle, too. Yeah. So, here's uh, here's one that I've heard about before. I've never actually had a chance to try it, but Peg Leg Porker Bourbon. It's the signature bourbon from award winning pitmaster Carrie Bringle. 
So having a deep love for bourbon and appreciation for the fact that bourbon and barbecue pair together so well, Kerry is the first pitmaster in the U.S. to start his own bourbon brand. And now they are coming out with Pitmaster Reserve, which is a 15-year-old Tennessee straight bourbon that the non-distilling producer finished through hickory charcoal to help provide its signature smokiness. This much-awaited peg leg 15-year is an extremely limited with 90 sorry, extremely limited release at 90 proof and made with a mash bill of 84% corn, 8% rye, 8% barley. Hint, hint, we know what that is. And it comes in a satin lined wooden box and a peg leg stopper too, which is a super fun and classy way. Only 136 six packs will be released. Yeah, I I did have a peg leg. Uh, I think it was like an eight or nine. It, it was really good. I mean, if you like the Tennessee bourbon, uh, I'd be interested to see what the hickory does to it. Yeah, I think it's kind of like, uh, what's the one with Matthew McConaughey? The Long, long Branch. branch. Right, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like his own different kind mesquite. of long branch. Don't need a mesquite or something. Yeah. I And I think it's funny. Like you get into these, these whole arguments of, oh, it can't be bourbon if it's filtered through whatever. It's like, it's in a, it's in a burned barrel. Like it's already being filtered through charcoal, no matter <laughs> what you say. Like it's still bourbon yeah. at the end of the day. It's just wood. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Yeah. People want to die on that hill though. That's all power to them if they want to do that. So Kentucky Peerless Distilling has announced the release of its new Peerless Double Oak Bourbon. Because if you're not a distillery nowadays, you have to have at least some sort of double oak or maybe a toasted expression. But here is how Peerless is doing, and they say they're doing it just slightly different. So they said instead of doing this on purpose, they started crafting double oak whiskeys with the original intention of rescuing whiskey from a leaky barrel. So when a barrel has a leak that cannot be repaired, the whiskey is then transferred into a new chart oak barrel. And this will be available in Kentucky, California, Illinois, Florida, and New York. I think it's a good story. Yeah. It makes I, sense. I believe, I believe it. Yeah. I, I could see that. Totally. You don't want to waste those. I mean, that they make only, what, four or five barrels a day, if that, and don't want a leaky one. That's... No, absolutely not. And I guess like you, you, if you go to Peerless and you get a chance to kind of like walk around, I think, you know, just their downtown warehouse, they have an offsite too. But I would imagine you could look through and, and if you go to any warehouse, whether it's Heaven Hill or Barton or I mean, you, you name it, you can walk around and you can see like piles uh, and like drips that have like built up over time on top of the barrels, like where it's fallen down. So they're not hard to like point out, like you can see if there's a leak in a barrel because it's going to show on the outside of it. And I guess if you want to make sure you maintain the whiskey that's in there, you're going to you're going to want to make sure you uh, put it in a new barrel. Yeah. Not, not like their products. I don't necessarily think it needs a, a double oaked or whatever, but be interested to try it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Count me down. I'll, I'll try one. I mean, double oaked, everybody, everybody loves it. You add a little bit more oak complexity, a little bit more cherry notes to it. Why yeah. Not? A, little, Why not? a little sweeter. I think I'd be interested to kind of know because usually when people do double oak, they, they rebarrel it, but it's only for, you know, like six months or maybe even, maybe even just a, a month or two or something like that. Right. If they're doing it with the intention that, well, this is only for, and actually I should mention that this was done with the original intention that they wanted to rescue whiskey from a leaky barrel, but now they realize like, oh, this is pretty good. So now they're going to start doing it on purpose. So yeah, it, it all kind of comes back to that too. Well, it's been successful elsewhere, so why not? Yeah. Hey, if if the playbook works, you might as well just run the play. Exactly. 
So our last headline is that Woodford Reserve has released a new limited edition that they are calling a happy accident that ended up producing bourbon with a whisper of chocolate notes. Maybe we'll do this like ASMR. We'll just talk about whispers, whispers bourbon. But So this was a result of a unique liquid that explodes with a medley of dark chocolate, cocoa, and roasted coffee with fruity and citrus notes. It's called the Chocolate Malt Whisper, and it's a Kentucky straight bourbon that was produced immediately after the production of a spirit that was later released as the 2019 Master's Collection edition of the Chocolate Malted Rye. So some of the flavor notes that are of the malted rye carried over into distillate of the next batch of bourbon. And so the Chocolate Malt Whisper is part of the annual distillery series, bottled at 90.4 proof, and has an SRP of $49.99, and will only be available at the Woodford Reserve Distilleries Gift Shop and Kentucky Select Retailers. So essentially they did the sour mash with the chocolate malt from last year, the chocolate malt rye, and they were trying to make their standard Woodford and the chocolate malt was still in there. Is that what? Is that I what think the, you, you pretty much just nailed it right there. You know, I okay. remember, I, I think we, me, me and you might've been with Drew from Willet one day and we were going through and we were tasting barrels and he was like, oh, you got to try this one. This one's super unique. This one was uh, one of the few barrels that was done after a distillation of something else behind it. So I guess I can see that this happens pretty regularly in the distilling world where you are, you have some sort of one-off thing and then you have to go back to your regular thing, but you have this window of stuff that is just going to be part of, you know, the back set or anything like that. Yeah. Especially if you don't want to take the time and clean it out, steam it, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, uh, we'll just see what happens. Nobody's got time for that. Yeah. Just throw in a barrel, see what happens. We can, we can market it something. (laughs) Never let a marketing opportunity go wasted. That's right. That's what bourbon's so great. You can literally make anything. (laughs) We, we need to start taking better notes. We're going to start copying some playbooks over here. Even there's, there's all these parameters. There's really not. (laughs) (laughs) What rules? (laughs) Yep. All right, so High West Distillery and Saloon, which I thought was kind of interesting that they had the word saloon as part of their legal name there, which is Utah's first legal distillery since 1870, is unveiling the ninth rendition of a Midwinter's Night Dram, which is a limited release of the High West Rendezvous Rye finish in Ruby and Tawny Port Barrels for an additional one to two years. Master Distiller Brendan Coyle says that this is easily our most anticipated limited release blend of the year. Provides notes of dark fig and blackberry layered over a wonderful spice character that great ryes have to offer. They recommend sipping neat to experience the many layers of complexity. So this limited edition blend of straight rye whiskeys, rye whiskeys, opens with notes of muddled blackberries, honey poached figs, chocolate covered cherries, toasted marshmallow, uh, and some other things. I'm too much to read there. Great. I know. You're just getting my mouth is watering just talking about it. Uh but this finish yields aromatic bitters, pink peppercorn, violets, mint. I mean, they put a bunch of stuff on there. But here's yeah. the details. A Midwinter's Night's Dram Act 9 is bottled at 98.6 proof, has a price tag of $100, and will be available beginning October 1st. And for more information on where to buy High West products near you, you can visit highwest.com. I've yeah, never really... Like I, don't they think, hit... I, I don't think I've had Midwinter's Night's Dram before. I think I have a bottle, but I don't what? know if I've ever opened it. Oh, man, it's really good. I haven't gotten in a few years but back when i used to get it i loved it um get it once a year and it's it's a really good uh rye whiskey great for winter campfire um because it's a great rye whiskey but like you said it's finished in those barrels so it gives it all those 
it sounded like they hit all the flavor notes on the wheel. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I, I agree. It's got a ton of complexity, a lot of good stuff going on. So I, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah. I, I think I remember actually going to, I think Colorado, maybe, maybe, uh, Denver one time for our work trip. And back when I really wanted to go bourbon hunting, and this is, you know, five, six, seven years ago. And I, I think I stumbled upon, I couldn't tell you how many bottles of you know, Midwinder's Night Dram. I think it was like Act Two or Act Three at the time, or something like that. And I was like, "Nah, it's all right. I've already got one. I'm, I don't, I don't need seven more of these." Now, kind of going back, I'm like, "Man, I maybe I should yeah. have another one." Anytime we do that now, we should just be like, "Just buy it," because <laughs> 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 we're always going to look back with regret. <laughs> yeah, quit, quit trying to be rational about it. And just buy the damn thing. Exactly. All right, and Sazerac is releasing its second edition of Mr. Sam. It's a blended whiskey expression made with some of Sazerac's finest American and Canadian whiskeys. And this is created to honor Sam Bronfman, or otherwise known as Mr. Sam. And this blend was created by Sazerac's own master blender, Drew Mayville, who we had back on episode 103, which Ryan didn't get a chance to go to it. But I remember during that episode, he let me have a sample of the old Rip Van Winkle 25-year. So... That was a special one. Dang. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Lawn care got in the way of that one. Yeah, those damn day jobs. That's right. So a little bit more information about this. So uh, Drew's career, uh, he had 22 years at Seagram's where he was the fourth and final master blender under the Seagram dynasty. And Mayville had an arsenal of Sazerac's best American and Canadian whiskey stocks at his disposal while developing Mr. Sam. And this project holds a special place in Mayville's heart because he is actually a native Canadian now living in Kentucky. Seagram and Sazerac also have a long history, 80-year history to be exact. And Sazerac owns 15 former Seagram's brands, including the iconic Seagram's VO, Seagram's Five Star, Seagram's 83, and along with its own distillery in Montreal. But despite Sam Bronfman's humble origins as an immigrant to Canada from Imperial Russia in the late 1800s, Bronfman would go on to propel Seagram's into the then the largest and most successful distilled spirits company in the world, relentlessly focused on making and blending the finest whiskeys possible and maintaining the highest quality of standards with also cutting edge packaging. So Mr. Sam was created with some of the world's most iconic spirits brands and, and it was done while at the helm of Seagram's empire until his death in 1971. So bottled at Sazerac's old Montreal distillery in Montreal, Quebec, this release of Mr. Sam is 122.6 proof. It will be only available in the United States and Canada. Has a suggested retail price of $250, and bottles of Mr. Sam are presented in an elegant wooden box and include a copy of the legendary From Little Acorns book, which Sam Bronfman penned in 1970, which details the history of Seagram's company. Interesting little, wow. uh, yeah. I like Canadian whiskeys and I like Sazerac's whiskeys, so it's got to be... And it I, sounds like I, you're getting the pricing right on this one, on the rare one. So I've only seen one bottle of this in my life, and it was in somebody's cellar collection. And it was from, of course, the the first release of it. Um, never saw it open, never tasted or anything like that. But hey, if anybody knows what they're doing, it's Drew Mayville. And so I yeah. will uh, tip of the hat to him because I'm sure that it's going to be a, a stellar blend for sure. We'll try it for Whiskey Quickie if y'all want to send us one. Yeah, just go ahead. Send us, send us a, maybe send us two, you know, one in case of backup one for quality beach. control purposes. You know, that's that sort of thing. Very cool. Did, well, they never get bottle accounts on releases, but 
I was curious. No, no many... bottle counts on this one. But just yeah. just kind of know, you're probably not going to see it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So we're not done just yet. This is what I get for recording on a Tuesday and not waiting for the breaking news that happened on Wednesday this past week. And that, of course, refers to the antique collection. So Ryan and I will have maybe a bit of discussion about this next week, and we will most certainly save it for a future roundtable topic. But here's your details for the 2021 Buffalo Trace Antique Collection. This year, the big headline is that George T. Stagg, the uncut, unfiltered 15-year-old whiskey, will not be available. This saddens me personally because George T. Stagg is always my favorite. Now, they said it's not going to be part of the, the release because it did not meet the distillery's taste standards for the Stagg brand. And they go on to say that there's various measures of quality tests that are administered to all Buffalo Traces of bourbon. And that includes everything from checking turbidity and testing samples using gas chromatography. But the most discriminatory test of all is using the human palate. And so a team of taste testers who have all gone through sensory analysis training, they taste each barrel sample that are brought into the laboratory at Buffalo Trace to ensure that each barrel matches the brand standards before it is dumped and bottled. And if one taster disagrees, then the barrel is sent back to age, be aged longer. And this is unfortunate because George T. Stagg, and this is, again, just sort of looking back at you know the history and telling a time here, is usually has the most bottles released every single year. And in recent years, it's been upwards around 40,000 bottles. So that will make finding anything in the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection much harder this year. And as to the notes on if every barrel didn't pass the taste test, well, we'll talk about that a little bit more in depth on a later roundtable. However, the four remaining members of the Antique Collection, William Lear Weller, Thomas H. Handy, Eagle Rare 17, and Sazerac Rye will also be released and you should be able to find them available at retail starting later this month. And of course, the price for all these are $99 at retail. So here's some more of the, more of the details. The Antique Collection's uncut, unfiltered, weeded recipe bourbon is William LaRue Weller. The 2021 release was distilled in the winter of 2009, making it 12 years old and aged in warehouses C, D, K, L, and Q, and it is being bottled at 125.3 proof. Thomas H. Handy is the uncut and unfiltered straight rye whiskey. This year's Handy was distilled in the spring of 2015, making it six years old and aged in warehouses I, L, O, and K and weighing in at 129.5 proof. Eagle Rare 17-year-old is bottled at 101 proof, but this one was distilled in the spring of 2002, making it 18 years old and aged on the first floor of Warehouse P. And the barrels of Sazerac Rye 18-year-old were filled in the spring of 2003, and it rested on the second and fourth floors of warehouses K and P, and is bottled at 90 proof. But that's it for this week in bourbon. So this was uh, a fun little way to kind of go over the news. I'm glad you, I hope you all liked it. And we're gonna be back again next week with another big round of bourbon news. So Kenny's already assuming you're gonna like it. So I'm, I'm assuming you will. Well, I think, I think it was fun. I'm yeah. looking forward to next week. For sure. There's a lot of news this week. Yeah, as I said, well, maybe we'll, we're going to try to cut this in half maybe next time. Hopefully there's not as much news, but hey, we'll see. We're getting into bourbon release season, and I think we're going to start seeing more and more stuff come out. They're like, it's the first week of October. We've got to <laughs> everybody throw out their news. <laughs> Lay it all out there. All right. Well, cheers, everybody, and we'll see you all next week with uh, another week of this, or should I say another episode of This Week in Bourbon.